Welcome to episode 29, The Truth About Vaping. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you are on Facebook or Twitter and the topic such as the Federal Reserve, the government shutdown, birthright citizenship, Fortnite, or vaping come up, please share the TruthQuest episode. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. And if you're feeling generous, please consider supporting the show financially. All donations will be used to expand the reach of the show. See the show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for the link to the patronage page. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and now on YouTube. Finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. I recently saw a John Stossel report on Reason TV that caught my attention. It was essentially a defense of the e-cigarette industry, a topic I had little or no interest in. Up until seeing that report, my general perception of e-cigarettes and vaping was negative. It wasn't based on anything tangible, just a compilation of whatever news coverage I had consumed up to that point. I'm not a smoker, no one in my family smokes, my only experience with these cigarettes is through my college-aged kids. With Stossel's gentle prodding, I read up on e-cigarettes and started seeing some recurring themes that have been often discussed on the TruthQuest podcast, namely unconstitutional federal government involvement in the free markets and media bias. I wondered why all the bad press and propaganda about vaping. I came across numerous government agencies harping on and warning about the evils of vaping, namely the Centers for Disease Control and the Food and Drug Administration, and even a former Surgeon General. I immediately grew suspicious, wondering if the cigarette industry, who was all but destroyed in America by these very same government messages over the last two decades, were behind the smear campaign. I even imagined a hypothetical conversation between big cigarette and big government. You know, big cig says to big gov, Hey assholes, you almost killed our industry by suing the hell out of us for 50 years. Now we have to deal with this new competitor? Do something about it. So before we get any further, let's, let's look at what e-cigarettes or vaping is, for those of you that are not familiar. In its simplest form, it is a nicotine delivery system without the smoke. Vapor is used to deliver the nicotine without inhaling smoke. No tobacco and no combustion. You've likely noticed vaping shops popping up over in your town. The two closest to my home advertise themselves as vape slash tobacco shop, and the other is a vape slash espresso bar. So let's talk about the federal government and the media. What's up with all the hysteria? As I weave through media reports, I noticed a pattern of usage of inconclusive words when describing studies about e-cigarettes and vaping. They use words like it's possible, may, might, seem to, it isn't entirely can cause. Here's a sample of the phrases used from some of the articles I read. Quote, potentially dangerous levels of metals leaking from e-cigarette heating coils, end quote. Here's another one. Quote, devices generating aerosols with potentially unsafe levels of lead, chromium, magnesium, and or nickel. Here's another. Expose users to what may be harmful levels of toxic metals. Or how about this one? Heating coils seem to be leaking toxic metals. Here's another one. Evidence that vaping isn't entirely safe continues to accumulate. Here's another. 
NYU School of Medicine finds that nicotine from e-cigarettes can cause cancer in mice. And finally, it's possible that e-cigarette smoke may contribute to lung and bladder cancer, as well as heart disease in humans. So naturally, alarm bells started going off in my head, asking why all this inconclusive language? The Orange County Register put it this way, There's a strange anti-vaping hysteria hitting government. The itch to treat vaping like smoking by so many public health activists and government officials may be well-intentioned, but is also misguided and harmful to the very goal of reducing smoking, which these campaigners claim to champion. In my mind, the elimination of smoke in order to deliver nicotine should be considered a breakthrough. Isn't the primary purpose of government to protect its citizens? Wouldn't this qualify? Reduce smoking-relating deaths? Get smokers to switch from cigs to e-cigs? That's a good thing. With all the federal government involvement, longtime listeners of the TruthQuest podcast can guess where my head went immediately. Yep, you guessed it. The constitutionality question. So everything you're about to hear is unconstitutional. It should be no surprise to hear that the federal government does not have the enumerated authority to regulate e-cigarettes. Or cigarettes, for that matter. That should be the end of the story. Far from it. One of the proposed regulations the FDA was considering is banning many flavored e-juices and or banning convenience stores from selling e-cigarettes. Where in the Constitution does it grant the federal government the power to regulate what flavor of a product that a company can sell or manufacture, or for that matter, tell a store which particular product they can sell? It doesn't. But in this post-constitutional era where we find ourselves in one where the Supreme Court opines that forcing people to buy something is indeed constitutional, i.e. health insurance, why the hell not? This is yet another FDA power grab. As the feds have taken such a keen interest in regulating e-cigarettes, you have to ask, what is their motivation? Perhaps it has something to do with the potential loss of tax revenue from cigarettes that is at the heart of the government resistance to e-cigs. The Wall Street Journal opines on this issue. A couple years ago, the new FDA regulation deems e-cigarettes to be tobacco products for the purposes of federal law. But e-cigarettes do not contain tobacco and do not present anywhere near the health risk of smoking. E-cigarettes create vapor, not smoke, hence the term vaping. And the lack of combustion means that e-cigarettes expose users to relatively few of the harmful substances contained in tobacco smoke. The article continues, E-cigarettes do not contain tobacco. They contain nicotine, a chemical derived from tobacco and other plants. Plain English was never a deterrent, though, to regulators of an empire-expanding mission. The Food and Drug Administration this week rolled out new regulations on e-cigarettes based on the 2009 law giving the agency power over products that contain tobacco. Plain English does not authorize inclusion of e-cigarettes under the 1998 Master Settlement Agreement, that the deal struck between the cigarette industry and 46 states that settled a bunch of lawsuits by imposing a government-run cartel to jack up the price of cigarettes, in the name of curbing consumption, naturally, and distribute the excess profits to the states and a handful of now plutocrat trial lawyers. Lovers of freedom and enemies of regulatory overkill do not exaggerate when they say FDA rules are designed to murder numerous small manufacturers and thousands of vape shops that account for about half the electronic cigarette business." End quote. So, 
The truth about the Fed's keen interest in this industry appears to be yet another example of market manipulation by the well-connected. In other words, crony capitalism. See, complying with FDA regulations is very costly. Large e-cig manufacturers, some of whom are owned by large cigarette manufacturers, can afford to navigate the regulatory waters, but bootstrapped entrepreneurial startups cannot. Does this scenario sound familiar? In episode 27, The Truth About the Federal Reserve, I explained how the large banks ran to the federal government looking for a way to limit their competitors, and thus the birth of the Federal Reserve. In much the same way, it appears that large cigarette manufacturers are doing the same thing by lobbying government and encouraging more regulations. You've seen the same thing in social media recently. Remember when Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg testified before Congress last year? He basically encouraged the government to regulate his company. Why would he do that? Because it increases the barriers to entry into the social media space. It could dissuade competitors from entering the market. Another example of government killing innovation, snuffing out competition, and causing higher prices. In a Reason Magazine article, Veronica DeRugi notes, Tobacco kills 480,000 people a year in the United States. Yet when an innovative alternative that delivers nicotine and eliminates 95% of the harm of smoking is available, the wary Food and Drug Administration fails to embrace this revolutionary life-saving technology, all in the name of the children, of course. Using e-cigarettes, known as vaping, has been around long enough for respected health authorities to conclude after many studies that it is eminently safer than smoking cigarettes. Britain's Royal College of Physicians called any attempt by public officials to discourage smokers from switching to vaping unjust, irrational, and immoral. The bottom line is that government alarmists should back off, end quote. So what about young people in vaping? As with any behavioral change that government wishes to force upon we, the people, they must first create a crisis. In the e-cig vaping world, the crisis is young people. Young people are using it. You mean just like young people smoke cigarettes? Granted, there are potential issues with younger people using e-cigarettes and regular cigarettes, given the fact that their bodies are still developing, their brain stem is still in development. According to the Centers for Disease Control, American youth are now more likely to use e-cigarettes than any other form of tobacco. Is that a bad thing? Would you rather they dip, snuff, chew tobacco, or smoke a cigarette? There are conflicting studies about vaping usage by young people, but let's grant that there have been there's been a spike in usage. Could part of the reason be all the hysteria from government agencies like the CDC and the FDA and all these news outlets? Do you think making it illegal will stop teen usage? Drinking and cigarettes have age restrictions, and they still use them. Pot is illegal, and they still use it. Supporters of flavor bans argue that products appeal to children and will induce them to start smoking cigarettes. But the data fails to bear this out. A 2015 study by the Journal of Nicotine and Tobacco Research, yes, that's a real journal, they found that non-smoking teens' interest in e-cigarettes was very low and didn't change with the availability of flavors. Although patterns of youth uptake, flavor preferences, and nicotine level preferences are important data, they do not trump the benefit to adult smokers' health. One study claimed that teens who vape are six times more likely to smoke than those who never vaped. That doesn't pass the smell test, or in this case, the taste test. 
Why would a vapor go from getting their nicotine fix via a fruity-tasting vapor to a nasty, smelly cigarette? The bottom line is overheated worries about youth vaping are threatening to obscure the massive potential benefits to the nation's 38 million cigarette smokers. Two million have already quit thanks to e-cigarettes. Vaping products are already the most widely used quit-smoking tool. So since this is the TruthQuest podcast, what is the truth about vaping? Number one, for starters, let's not kid ourselves. The reason there are all these different sweet enticing flavors is in part because the e-cigarette business is targeting young people. Number two, if smokers switch to e-cigarettes, that would save millions of lives. Burning tobacco generates thousands of chemicals. That's where the cancer comes from, not from nicotine. Number three, studies show that half of teens who smoke cigarettes never quit. A third of those die from smoking-related illnesses. Studies also show that smoking is the leading preventable cause of death in America. Doesn't vaping help curb that problem? Number four, the British Department of Health published a study that demonstrates that e-cigs are 95% less harmful than cigarettes. I file that under no shit, Sherlock, given that cigarette smoke produces some 7,000 chemicals, but it's nice to have a study to back up a logical assumption. Number five, cigarette usage is actually down in younger people. According to the CDC, teen smoking rates for all tobacco and nicotine products has declined since 2011. Number six, vaping allows cigarette users to satisfy their nicotine craving while doing less damage to their lungs, not to mention lowering their dry cleaning bills, spending less money on their habit, being shunned in the workplace in designated smoking areas, and doing less potential harm to bystanders and family members. Number seven, Evidence of immediate gains in respiratory health when e-cigarettes are used as an alternative to smoking is overwhelming. Number eight, marketing e-cigarettes as a way to help smokers quit is brilliant, but it's also a little disingenuous. Let's not kid ourselves. When the vaping industry makes claims that they want to help you kick the habit, they only mean the habit of smoking cigarettes, not vaping, of course. Number nine, Sally Sattel from the American Enterprise Institute said, Quote, the regulatory politics of non-combustible nicotine products stand as one of the great paradoxes in public health. While our health agencies now strongly champion harm reduction for opiate misuse, they are making it more and more difficult to improve and save the lives of smokers. End quote. This is a deadly dereliction of duty to American public health. One of the goals I have for this podcast is to help you, the listener, think critically. I named my third book Critical Thinking with a P because I wanted to influence people to think critically about politics and public policy. To a large extent, that campaign continues here on the podcast. So I try and relate past episodes with current topics of discussion to make the connection. There are some themes I hope to be reinforcing for those of you who are regular listeners. The truth about vaping is no different than many of the other topics discussed. As I see it, there are four lessons from this episode. First, think for yourself. Don't let news outlets, talking heads, politicians, your peers, parents, teachers, bosses, or even podcasters heavily influence how you process an argument. Their opinions or citations of facts are inputs for you to chew on and consider as you search for the truth. Think back to the beginning of this episode when I told you about my negative perception of vaping and e-cigarettes. If you had asked me why I felt that way back then, I would not have been able to give you one reason why it was such. That's speaking from a place of ignorance, a place we should avoid at all costs. Second, always consider the motivations of those making claims. 
Sometimes there is no motivation. That's often the case when you're dealing with your peers or coworkers or parents or friends. They just might be ill-informed or speaking from a place of ignorance. When it comes to politicians, talking heads, and media outlets, there is usually an agenda that is being pushed. Often you can follow the money and discover the motivations or where their loyalty lies. The anti-vaping campaign is no different. And third, always consider the secondary or unintentional consequences of a public policy decision. If the government successfully bans or limits e-cigarette usage, what are the likely results? Consider the ban in Europe of a product called SNUS. It's a smokeless tobacco product. With the exception of Sweden, it was banned in Europe for almost 20 years. Guess which country in Europe currently has the lowest smoking and lung cancer rates? Not England, not France or Germany, Sweden. Or what about the short-lived taxation on fast food here in the United States that resulted in an overindulgence of consumption of fatty foods at home? Or the war on drugs, which has led to the unfair incarceration of millions of what are largely innocent people? The do-gooders in government never have to deal with the consequences of their policies. Why can't they just leave us the hell alone unless we are hurting someone else? And finally, never lose sight of the Constitution, even in issues as innocuous as vaping. I know I sound like a broken record on this podcast with this point, but honestly, a return to limited government as prescribed by the Constitution cures most of America's ailments. The best advice I came across during my research on this topic was from a doctor who said, if you smoke, consider vaping. If you don't smoke, don't start vaping. For all intents and purposes, the question is whether lawmakers should seek to simultaneously discourage both tobacco use and vaping because they carry some risk and perhaps because they are both considered vices, or should they welcome vaping since it leads to harm reduction as smokers shift to a dramatically safer way of consuming nicotine. Or a third option is to go away and mind their own business as the Constitution prescribes. I know my preference. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.